We're in Ephesians chapter 6, and we went down through about verse 14 last time. So we'll uh, do just a quick recap and then uh, see if we can cover a little bit more. Of course, this session, section rather is uh, going over uh, uh, the, the armor for spiritual warfare, as it's usually called. And uh, the key phrase uh, was to put on the whole armor of God. And uh, we find this uh, great list uh, starting off in verse 10 with the instruction to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Um, some time ago I wrote in my Bible, I don't know who said uh, that I was listening to, but it, they said, we're in a war, not a club. We're in a war, not a club. And that's kind of interesting, right? Because sometimes we do things that are clubbish, right? We go and we do events and that's cool, um, but it's pretty serious stuff, and it is um, somewhat sobering that we do that. Uh, so we are in uh, a war. Uh, as it says in verse 12, we do not wrestle flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. In other words, we are fighting Satan and his demons. That's just, I know that sounds kind of, Weird to hear that in uh, 2015, but uh, I certainly believe that. And the Bible still preaches it, so I think it's probably still true uh, that that is the war. And, of course, one of the schemes that we are supposed to be guarding against um, is this very careful little scheme that would lead us to believe that there isn't such a thing as uh, spiritual warfare. Uh, probably one of the more effective strategies, actually, uh, but there really is, and passage goes through and tells us how to do that. Uh, we saw that in verse 13, this armor of God um, starts off in verse 14 with the belt of truth, having put on the belt of truth, and I know we talked about this last time, but it struck me as I was kind of prepping my kind of recap, uh, this uh, I think it's good that it starts this because if you think about all the places where the Satan's attacks will come, and especially where this armor is effective, it usually has to do with how we think about everything. What do we think about God? What do we think about our own status with God? What do we think about our culture? What do we think about um, the doctrines of Scripture? What do we think is really true? Um, how do we determine what's true? As with uh, some element of truth. So starting off with the belt of truth, I think is um, great. And it got me thinking about one of my favorite verses uh, that I use in counseling at the office, which is just this little phrase, the truth will set you free. And it has so many applications. I thought it was probably more than just a coincidence that... Um, in this same passage where um, we find that verse about truth, we also find some pretty good teaching about the devil. So we're going to take a quick detour. If you'll turn to John chapter 8, just a quick detour while we're on this topic of spiritual... The verse I quote, one. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. One thing that I didn't really pick up on until 
I read this was that this was to Jews who had believed in him. Now, they, at this point, as you'll see later in the passage, it probably hadn't had saving faith yet, but these were, who's me behind the column, never mind. These were uh, Jews who were being compelled by the teachings that Jesus was doing. They were, you know, they were, they were believing in him, and probably some of them did come to saving faith. But if you look on down to um, uh, verse 32 verses, uh, they've had this conversation about their ancestry and Abraham, and obviously at this point their faith is more in Abraham than it is Jesus. Um, but he starts talking about this, and he goes on down, and he's talking about in verse 44, you are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. Now look what Jesus, this is Jesus says about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. He is the father of lies. You've heard this phrase before. But look how, I mean, this is Jesus talking, and look how serious he is. He was a murderer from the beginning. He, it is, when he lies, he is doing what it says out of his own character. We would say it's second nature to him, but actually it's worse than that. This is first nature for him. His natural go-to method is to lie, to deceive. And you'll see that as we go through the spiritual armor, you know, that's his main gun. It shows up in a lot of different ways, but that's the main, that's, that's, that's from whence he cometh, that's the angle of attack, is lying. Lying. And if you don't think lies are powerful, then you're really not paying attention. Lies are extremely powerful. And that's the way this works. And that's why this truth is so important. And you'll see it as we go through because it, it really highlights. You get this natural progression. There's lying. So then what happens? Just think about it as we work through this. Verse 14, we talked about 14b, the breastplate of righteousness, right living, and how that um, keeps you from being slandered and so forth. Uh, and then verse 15, where we'll pick up. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness by the gospel of peace. Readiness given by the gospel of peace. So the gospel, this was the good news, right? This was the good news. The the message that um, we didn't have to do the sacrifices anymore. We didn't have to um, keep all the rules anymore out of compulsion. We have a new sacrifice. We have a new Savior. And that was the good news. That our own efforts weren't the standard anymore. Truly, thank God that our own efforts aren't the standard anymore. We have somebody who did all that for us. That is uh, the good news. There's this, uh, we've talked about Isaiah. If you flip to uh, Isaiah 52, um, 
we'll probably, hopefully, touch on Isaiah 59, as I discussed last time, but a few chapters over, in Isaiah 52, verse 7, this famous verse, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Communication nowadays happens really fast here, right? I mean, uh, just, you know, you can tweet something and it's gone to ever how many people follow you. You can... uh, get on a radio station, on a call-in show. You can get your voice out pretty quickly if you want to nowadays. Back in the day, as they say, that wasn't the way communication happened. Um, Back in this day, if there was communication from village to village or town to town, it was runners. And the runners would take the news from place to place. And it got, to, it got to be tradition that if you didn't like what the runner was saying, especially if you were going to see, say, Caesar or somebody, then they would literally kill the messenger. So it got to be that lookouts would see the runners coming and they could already tell if this was going to be good news or not. If the guy's just, just hoofing it, just running, he's got good news. And the guy's just kind of taking his time. <laughs> you know, he's in no hurry at all because he's got bad news. He's going to stretch it out. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. So here we have this concept, the shoes for your feet being ready for readiness given by the gospel of peace. Um, the shoes that would protect you from um, kind of that good foundation to stand against Satan's attack is that knowledge of the gospel. And that accuser start whispering in your ear, you're not good enough to be a Christian. And the good news of the gospel says, you're right, but it doesn't matter. Got that good foundation. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish flaming darts of the evil one. I found this quote. One of the most formidable weapons of Satan is the weapon of accusation, which is a lie, right? The book of Zechariah, Joshua the high priest was accused by Satan who went to God and said, look at your high priest. He's wearing filthy garments. He's not fit for your service in your kingdom. He's accusing him. Satan accuses believers of their sin and their unworthiness to belong to the kingdom of God. He does this not to lead them to repentance, but to lead them to despair, so that they will be paralyzed and not able to function effectively as Christians. The only answer we have to these attacks of Satan against our integrity is that we are justified by faith. Our saving faith in Christ is the shield that protects us from the accusations of the enemy. It's a lie. You don't need to volunteer for that. Why do you think you're good enough to lead that team? Why do you think you're good enough to go serve on that mission trip? 
You know, what are you being so high and mighty? You can't even do your own thing, you hypocrite. Accusation. Condemnation. Right? Like, yep, I know it. I have no business being here. I have no business getting up here behind this thing. But it's faith. It's a shield of faith. If your faith isn't good enough and you want to try out what it's like to stand up behind here, you're welcome on any given day because it is it's somewhat of a, of a step of faith, uh, at least for me. Um, I'm never quite sure how these are going to turn out. And that's the truth. <laughs> the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. What's this helmet of salvation? Uh, once again, uh, and people have, you know, you can take this analogy as far as you want to, but what does a helmet do? It covers your head, right? I mean, what's the most effective way to deal with your adversary? It's a headshot, right? It's quick, and there's not much recovery from a headshot. And, but what's in our head? It's our brain. What I say at the very start, it's all about how we think. It's all about how we think. Uh, this helmet of salvation, this, this knowledge that we are secure in Jesus because of Jesus, not because of us, right? That's going to protect us from, from that particular dart that, that might make us ineffective. If you, you've heard people who maybe say, well... You know, I'm just not sure I'm saved. Well, you just go to the Bible. I mean, I think most people have gone through this. I did as a kid, and it says, well, you know, the Bible says if you do this, doesn't matter if you feel saved, doesn't matter if, you know, what Satan's whispering in your ear, if you confess with your mouth and if you believe, you're saved. You've got to have that helmet on. Literally, to have your head on straight about that particular topic is going to really make a difference as to whether you're effective or not. For Christian, that's really hard to understand. It can be very hard to understand. And it's kind of weird um, because conversion happens different for every person. You know, the, the person who is the, the drug dealer and and has this miraculous conversion, has a, a real black and white grasp, and I think that's a gift of grace that they can maybe have that security. You know, you, you, know, you get some kid who maybe has kind of been a decent kid and try to do the right thing, and their conversion may not be as dramatic. You know, to get it nailed down, you know. Um, I've heard people say that they're not exactly sure when they became a Christian. But if they look back in time enough, they know they were here and they know they're here now. And the in-between is a little bit foggy, but they know where they are now. You know, people like C.S. Lewis, that's his testimony. Like, uh, when I got home after I got saved, I started coming to this church with uh, Bernard Manus, Jack. Don Gibson, there's somebody else. Bunch of rebels, those guys. They, they invited me to come to a Bible study here on Tuesday mornings when we had it. 
Well, you know, the most effective ways to keep somebody down is to just make you doubt your salvation. And then literally gets in your head, and then you're not effective anymore. Yeah. Good, uh, good word there, Tim. What's next? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So this is kind of interesting to look at. This is a little bit different language. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Um. So it's the Word of God. We know, you know, we love Scripture. Uh, we know the importance of Scripture. Um, how did Satan do battle with Satan? I mean, how did Jesus do battle with Satan? He used Scripture, right? Um, but it says the sword of the Spirit. So this is like the Spirit's sword in a way. Uh, so the Holy Spirit is, is in us and. Um, working that word in us. Um, this word of God, we think of that as the Bible. And that's certainly a helpful way to think of it, but there's a word, logos, that's used when the Bible kind of reversed it, and that's not the word here for word. Um, it's, it's the word like, um, like if you hear a good word. Like, so this is like the word maybe a, a portion of scripture that that God has used in your life. Um, and so I think it's, even though, yes, we need to know scripture and like to memorize scripture, but as, and as we get scripture in our lives, often what happens is a few of those start to stick. Has this happened to you? Where just every so often a verse will come up and it just seems to fit everything. It's like a skeleton key. It just fits almost anything. I, I got a handful of these and um, it's like, I don't know, it's just like it always works. You know, it's like duct tape. And I think there is a word or words, you know, these chunks that God will use to, to be our sword. Um, and this is just kind of my own take on this, okay? I'm, I'm, I'll take the blame uh, if I'm a little bit off here, but Martin Luther, to give you Anybody remember what his little chunk, what he was, his little fragment of Scripture that accounted for the entire Reformation? From the Romans. The just shall live by faith. As he thought about, you know, or the righteous shall live by faith. You know, what does it mean to live by faith? Well, it means it's not about the rules anymore. And what does it mean if the just are going to live by faith? Well, look at all this corruption going on in the church and had just the just that live by faith. And that just was banging around in his head for a long time. And it, it brought about the Reformation. So, you know, sometimes I think we feel that we have to just have all these scripture verses in our pocket and be ready to do battle with Satan when we come against this big showdown. Well, first of all, there's hardly ever a showdown, right? It's just a constant thing. It's just a constant thing. Um, and it's never when you're prepared, right? It's never, it's never when you're ready for it. 
Um, but I think that, that it's those words that God has already been using in your life. They have already started to mean something. Um, I just, you know, people, how many, I won't make you quote it, how many of you have what you might call your life verse? That verse, it just kind of hits you a lot, you know, going back to it. I mean, that's the kind of thing I think this is talking about. You know, and and I bet I bet you just see that in action all the time, don't you? You know, um, if you had duct tape, a couple screwdrivers, and a pair of vice grips, you can do a lot, right? Um, maybe hammer. Although if you hit the vice grips just right, you could get by with that. Um, but you know, so don't feel like you got to know everything. But if you don't have a couple verses, you know. Keep reading until God makes one stick, right? All right, I promised we'd talk a little bit about Isaiah 59. So let's flip over to Isaiah 59, and we're just going to talk a little bit about this. And while you're turning there, I want you to think about this one concept. Uh, One author says, in one sense, this whole armor of God is Jesus, right? Jesus is our truth. Jesus is our righteousness, Jesus is our peace, Jesus is our faithfulness, Jesus is our salvation, Jesus is the word, right? Like the little joke, you know, the answer is always Jesus, right? (laughs) Um, Jesus is all of those things. So when you've heard people, it's kind of a churchy phrase, people say, well, I'm just going to put on Jesus. Well, in essence, that's not a... So... Uh, Isaiah 59, and, and um, I won't read all of this, but I hope you read enough of it to know that that this does have some parallels with our with our passage. I'll just pick a few um, sections. In verse two, it says, "But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden His face not here." Uh, the big problem in the world is sin, right? The big problem in the garden was sin, and it's pretty much still been our problem this whole time, right? The big problem is sin. Verse 16, I guess maybe part of 15, it says, The Lord saw it, that is the condition of things that were so sinful. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. So God is aware of the situation. He is aware of the injustice. He is aware when things aren't fair, right? And all the entire gospel message, all through scripture, has all been about God showing that he gets the glory for making everything right when everything can be so bad. Verse 17, here we get this familiar language. He put on righteousness as a breastplate of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing himself in zeal as a cloak. And then down, and it says in verse 21, And as for me, 
this covenant with them. So, big picture. God sees the things that are not right. He saw them 3,000 years ago. He saw them 2,000 years ago. He sees them now. God is committed to justice. And by the way, this concept that we have when we think something's not fair or we think something's not just, the only way we have any glimpse of what is truly just and fair is because of the echo of God on our culture. Um, God out of the equation, what Hitler did makes perfect sense. Defensible. Might makes right. I like it everybody else. There is nothing unfair about that unless you go to Scripture to justify it on the basis of a God where there's an absolute truth. I mean, logically, that's the truth. Genocide makes perfect sense unless you think there's a God who sees things differently. He's committed to justice. And then finally, we have a God who keeps his promises. He covenant. And all this battle that we're still in, we win. He promised. Jesus is going to finish the battle. We get to participate in the battle. So in, in some small way, that's great that we can identify Jesus in that. But ultimately, the battle will be his. Um, Like I said, spiritual warfare is um, its all about your thinking, how you see the world. So I would hope that section, and we're going to finish it up next week, helps you just kind of recalibrate your glasses a little bit so that you maybe can see it a little bit more. Um, and also for what it's not. Like, you know, I've, I've read, whenever I start preaching about spiritual warfare, I get attacked. Right? Have you heard people say that? <clears throat> I mean, I could, I could, I could use that. Thing. I'm giving my spirit. So, I usually get up on Sunday morning, and I actually had more to do this morning because of my video stuff I had to do. So I got up this morning. And I'm struggling in the shower, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a three cup of coffee morning. It's just there's something wrong, and maybe too much information. So I'm standing at the mirror shaving, and I happen to glance down at my phone, and about that time at that time in the process, it should be around 5.30, quarter to 6. I looked down, it was 10 minutes to 4. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I thought I'd turn my phone off at the right time. I don't Anyway, so, um, so I'm seeing a nap, by the way. But that wasn't spiritual warfare, right? That was just, that was just stupid, you know. Um, that wasn't spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare is sneak, it's in your head. It's the doubts. It's the... Uh, condemnation that you feel, right? The Holy Spirit is not going to beat you down. The Holy Spirit is going to say, come to me, lay that burden down, confess that. You don't need to carry that, right? It's not a condemning word. If you hear, uh, this is not probably perfectly true, but just a quick tip. If you hear 
in that little mind of yours, somebody saying, you do this and you do that, it's probably, that's probably not the Holy Spirit, the accuser, accusing you, right? All right. That's probably a good stopping point. Anybody have any comments? All right, everybody ready for their spiritual warfare? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you equip us. We thank you that you are our source of truth. You are our standard of truth. Um, it is through you that we have received the revelation of your truth. Um, and we pray that we can apply it in all those different areas uh, that you have advised us to. We thank you for Jesus that um, is ultimately the source of all of our armor. In his name I pray, amen.